and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Today, my guest is Gopal Erinjipurat, and uh, he is CTO and Head of Product at SAS Global. And before we jump into today's episode, I would like to ask you to please tell us a few words about yourself and uh, what kind of experiences you've had so far in your career and whatever you might find is important for us to know about you. Yeah, thanks, Carolina. Hello, everyone. Very thankful to be uh, on this podcast and thank you, Carolina, for inviting me. I'm Gupal Erijipurat. I head up the tech and product teams at SAS Global as one of the two co-founders. I'm an electrical engineer turned geodata scientist. I've spent the better part of the last uh, 10 years working in varied uh, engineering management roles from uh, teams of like less than five people all the way up to like 30 plus engineers and largely excited to talk more about software engineering, how we think about software engineering in large companies, how we've been thinking about software engineering in a smaller team that is growing, for example, at SAS Global, and share some learnings along the way. Awesome. SAS Global develops climate analytics and APIs to enable the climate economy. That's what I gathered. And today we are going to talk about uh, building a successful engineering team for analytics. So please shed some light for us onto what, in your opinion, analytics engineers do. Right. So I feel analytics engineers, it's like a broader term to bring together a group of individuals largely transforming data-related inputs into actionable, meaningful analytical outputs to a group of users. So these users could be analysts, these users could be at times like data scientists or engineers, and at times these users could be executives who are reading a report or working with a dashboard. So in order to make meaningful, sensible outcomes from working with large-scale data, we need a few components in place. So you can think of analytics engineering as a combination of uh, essential business intelligence and data science, which is transforming the data. Uh, Data engineering, which is enabling machine learning and data transformation to run at scale, which is often in the realm of what they call an MLOps engineer or a data engineer. And then standing up essential set of services so that these capabilities, be it predictive or historic assessments, can be surfaced in interfaces which can be consumed across these different cohorts of be it analysts or be it engineers or be it executives. So that normally resides in the realm of services or uh, microservices, which would be a combination of uh, DevOps as well as backend and platform engineering functions. So when I think of analytics engineering, it's kind of a combination of all these three functions towards standing up products that go end to end from data all the way to like insights and meaningful 
decision-making outcomes. So it's a lot of different kinds of people or different kinds of skill sets to be right. to be fair, even though it's under the umbrella term of analytics engineering. What are the success metrics for your team? Right. So I feel for every team, it's different when it comes to looking at analytics and engineering. At SAS Global, the goal of the software engineering team is to enable new workflows for climate-informed decision-making. So our company purpose is to enable every business decision to be climate-informed over the next 10 years. And towards that end, we need to be able to seed essential climate data, analytics, and infrastructure into existing and new workflows. So when it comes down to thinking about the outcomes of like the team, it's primarily how effectively through data, machine learning, and software-driven cloud-native services, are we able to get businesses to use climate data and enable climate-informed business decision-making? So when it comes to success metrics, we've thought about how do we track that, especially across companies which are at varying stages of the life cycle of getting climate informed and enabling climate analytics. Some might be just thinking about a demo. Some might be thinking about a proof of concept. Some might be thinking about a scaled operation. And some might be thinking about thousands of operations running at scale in the cloud. So how do we put all these under a common umbrella and track one metric? And the way we started thinking about that is how many what are people actually doing? What's a common thing all these customers care about? And it's about understanding, in our case, one of the products we sell is, uh, and our flagship product is physical climate risk analytics. And they run this at the property level. And that's one of the things we've pioneered using um, a machine learning and data-driven techniques to transform frontier climate modeling into actionable hazard-level insights at the property uh, resolution. So when our customers are doing these assessments at the property uh, level, they're doing that at varying levels of scale. So if we were to accumulate the total number of assets that are getting processed over the course of time, we have a benchmark of how well we are growing our footprint in the market and enabling customer bases. So towards the end, the primary metric is total accumulated number of assets processed uh, over the course of time, and that needs to be trending uh, upwards because it's cumulative, but the growth rate should be accelerating, which means we're getting closer to our mission. The second metric would be how many new customers are we bringing in who are creating new assessments to our product, either through the API or through our dashboarding product. So that's the second metric. So a combination of this primary and secondary metric allows us as a software engineering team to really track how effective we are in successfully enabling this broader transformation in the business landscape from the lack of climate awareness to climate understanding and then climate driven action. With what your vision is and what you are what you are trying to achieve with your with your service, I uh, would wonder or I would venture to say that it's 
It's probably important for you to to have engineers who are into this vision that you have, that people who are who are like climate aware and are so to say committed to perhaps slaving the planet or, or saving the, the human species. What type of engineers do you look for and how do you build such a team? Yeah, yeah, great question, Carolina. And I think primarily it comes down to, you know, we are like a mission-driven uh, team that has net positive goals for the environment as well as businesses. So we kind of had the sweet spot of like having environmental impact, enabling understanding and education, as well as like the fundamental aspect of keeping non-profit-driven business functional, which is profit and revenue. Uh, so at the intersection of business impact and uh, expertise is what we look at. So the engineers that we try to bring on board are the ones who resonate with their mission. And normally it's very simple. You can learn in five minutes how how motivated someone is, especially if you've done recruiting for like a while in terms of their mission alignment and thinking. And then the second bit is, you know, you could be very mission aligned, but the, the skill sets need to work. And in a small team with under 10 engineers, you're often thinking about people who have breadth as well as some depth in a dimension which we really care about. So towards that end, our expertise as a technical team is at the intersection of remote sensing, climate modeling, machine learning, and platform engineering. So standing up scale machine learning services that connect into very complex spatio-temporal gridded data. So we look for that expertise and we look for mission alignment and then it comes together pretty pretty beautifully because most of the people, I'm seeing an increasing drive across the landscape of like early and mid-career engineers in working in climate and doing exciting technology development in, in terms of enabling us to work with the climate crisis. So there's never been a better time to get into climate and there's never been a better time for folks like us to incorporate exciting and experienced people who have worked in other domains and dealt with scale and uh, data and uh, customer-driven complexity uh, in, in climate as well. So it goes both ways. The companies are very lucky to have this kind of talent and access to this kind of talent. And... Uh, uh, employees or prospective employees and prospective engineers who are trying to get into climate have never seen a better environment because there's so many jobs in climate at the moment. So that's the way I would hmm. the opportunity set around getting into climate. That's really, really interesting. So let's say you have an engineer who wants to go into environmental industries or, or they want to join your team because because they think it's it's uh, profitable, but they're not as committed to the environment. Is that a red flag? And also what kinds of red flags have you seen or do you watch out for? Or should some of our listeners watch out for if uh, they are in a similar position to yours? Yeah, so see, someone who's not, I, I would say someone who's not positively motivated about working on, the, on aspects of climate-related data are doing anything wrong it, you know people have different passions it's totally understandable I, I i would just say a clear 
inclination towards a problem and having curiosity comes down to that. How curious is the person on the kind of problems you're solving and getting into the depths of understanding the nuance of how your workflow is set up and what the complexities there are. So normally you can just understand that by, by hearing the kind of questions they ask, the things that they care about, uh, what specifically about your company excites them. So those are kind of things that that help me develop a better picture of how well this person will be affected. And when you're in smaller teams, and a big part of this applies to like medium sized as well as larger teams, is how well does the new recruit or new hire fit into the DNA of the rest of the team? So you could be a very skilled, competent platform engineer or a data scientist, but if you if your motivations are not perfectly aligned, it doesn't lead to alignment on the shared outcome of the team. So like I mentioned, I didn't mention anything around analytics or data or machine learning when I talked about the KPI for the whole software engineering team that I described earlier, because that's a very outcome-driven metric, which is how effectively is the business helping people. So in order to be successfully aligned with that goal, whether you're a data scientist or a platform engineer, it's less of your domain and more about the team, the coordinated efforts of all the individuals on the team that enable that outcome. So that's the way I like to think about it. I completely agree with you. And with that, let's move on to more of how the team works so that uh, we can better understand what makes an analytics team successful. Would you care to describe some of the processes that drive your daily lives so that uh, we can get more familiar with your way of work? Yeah, I, I would say we don't do anything awfully unusual. Uh, I would say we, we do most things which are of a standard practice. We do the bi-weekly sprints, we run scrum ceremonies. Uh, we would say we've adapted that so that we, for a remote world, then we're all distributed so that we can have the right number of meetings, but not too many of them, and like creating the bandwidth for like effective work and collaboration. So I would say the uh, the processes are simple. So it's often around kicking off the week, having good alignment and good knowledge of what everyone is working on in their respective worlds where they need help and collaboration over the course of the week. And then having time for dedicated deep dives into specific topics. So, you know, every week we have like a block of like two hours where we bring together like problems and interesting topics that someone on the team is seeking inputs from others on. And that's been very effective because it's enabled some open collaboration. Sometimes the best ideas come from discussions and exploration that you didn't expect. So it enables some serendipitous discovery of like uh, new concepts as well as new learnings. So uh, that's the kind of collaborative culture we try to cultivate at Susquehanna. So you said analytics engineering. I would almost say we, we can disqualify this conversation into climate analytics and how effectively that going mm -hmm. to work. And for that, you need to bring together many different sets of expertise. There's no one climate expert. So normally there's a someone who's an expert in the forest ecosystem 
or an expert in the ocean sciences or an expert in atmospheric sciences. But when you think about climate, it's like the a collection of subsystems that are deeply interconnected. And towards the end, you need a team that can work at that level of complexity. So are your engineers experts in such things or, or do they just, just in um, air quotes here for those of us listening. So, so are they just able to comprehend and understand how such data points interact with each other or, or do most of your colleagues have some background in, in uh, some kind of climate related aspect like biology yeah. or weather? Yeah. Most of them come with some expertise in, in climate when they when it comes to working on the data side. I would say on the platform engineering side, it's purely the motivation and less about what they whether they they worked on climate related data before because fundamentally it's structured or semi structured data and expertise in working with that kind of data in the past is just fine. But on the data science side, understanding climate related primitives and concepts is like a huge plus. So the early part of your team, like the kernel still needs to have some climate related depth and deeper understanding and expertise. So there they've been very selective in terms of prior background. And when it comes to the non-climate data science side of the analytics of climate analytics function, they've been a little bit more liberal in terms of bringing in people with different backgrounds. And that has actually helped as well. And so do you have any other departments? And if so, how do you interact with all the other departments within the organization or even outside the organization? Right. So we deliberately try to engineer product and, and the engineering teams to be pretty much like the same and working closely in tandem with each other. So we, our, our aspiration is to make every engineer a product thinker first and then the, uh, develop the ability towards transforming code into potential outcomes, which potentially connects into the business, which transforms the outcomes into dollars, which is revenue for the business. So we have a growth team, which is uh, led by my co-founder and the CEO of the company. And his goal is to actually transform the innovations that we're bringing to market into meaningful business outcomes for us to grow and bring in new products into the market and develop that flywheel. So that's that's roughly how we are structured at the moment. So product and tech as well as commerce and growth. And we try to keep it simple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like you can maintain that kind of a structure mm -hmm. all the way up to like when you have 50 people. But uh, I think there's a scale beyond that when you start having to bring in a lot of additional expertise around operations and customer success and which all in the grand scheme of things fall under growth, uh, pre-sales and post-sales, and then uh, human resources. So those are the things that we're very light on at the moment because we are deliberately trying to focus on the few things that we are uniquely good at. Right, right. And usually in, in smaller companies, it's uh, it's an all-hands-on-deck kind of situation, most more so often than it is at larger companies. And with that, I think it's really great if you can keep that kind of mentality for as long as possible so that people actually feel 
involved and 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 on track with whatever is happening in the company at large. So if we can go in a little bit of specifics, what tools do you use to support the analytics team or data engineering or whatever we want to call it? What should perhaps some of our listeners take away as as some tools that have worked for you well in the past? Yeah, I would say, you know, we use a deep, deep stack of tools. Primarily, you know, we, we run on Google Cloud. We leverage as much of cloud, the uh, Google Cloud native services, managed services as possible. In addition to that, we have, uh, we use tools like Segment and uh, we use event management towards tracking events happening through throughout our platform and channeling mm-hmm. them into a product uh, analytics uh, suite like uh, Mixpanel. And I would say in terms of software stack, it's pretty standard. We use uh, and management of software. We use like GitHub and the regular set of tools related to that. In terms of the processes, we try to be pretty uh, aggressive in terms of using project management tools like Jira that's helped us actually keep our work as collaborative as possible and uh, enable us to like, share updates with each other frequently and connecting them them into a live messaging service and connecting updates into a system like Slack allows you to like keep everything running in a remote first environment in a very agile fashion where conversations are happening not always in sync but still happening very effectively. You mentioned that you are a completely remote team, right? So. I imagine you might work from different time zones. I imagine that some of these messaging apps really help you share information in a, in an effective manner. I would say that's been a part of uh, the design we've had for the organization, which is being able to work remotely because we started the business during the pandemic. So it's been, uh, it's been essential for us to like be remote distributed and successfully functioning. So. Yeah, that's that's actually helped us as we've grown the team because we're seeking the best talent anywhere. And in the, on the engineering side, we've been largely focused within the US, but we set to expand beyond that in the, in the months and years to come. Growing a company is sometimes a bit painful, but, uh, but it sounds like you're well prepared. So as we are quickly approaching the end of our time, I have a couple more questions left. And I think if you are, if you're okay to share, Perhaps share a story with us where you have run into something that you now might consider as a common pitfall of of building an engineering uh, or analytics team. I would say having clarity on outcomes for the business because many of the times engineers love to build and uh, they are building whatever they, they think in their minds is like the most relevant thing but their view and their point of view of like the customer base might be very different from the sales or the product functions. So a big part of this is providing, I think the big learning for me over the course of the last seven years has been making engineers aware as much context about the business as possible so that they, and as much context on the customer environments as possible so that they know what guardrails to put around the product, what constraints to put around the product. So when they develop an unconstrained system, 
in terms of usage, it often doesn't work. So a big part of that is providing context on where's the customer at and where's the what's the business trying to build. Uh, and that enables them to think and use their creativity in the most intelligent, most effective way. Because every engineer brings a very unique set of skills, whether they believe in that or not, that's the way I see it as like an engineering leader. And if they have the ability to get creative, if they understand enough of the context. So from a leadership perspective, it's about how much of that context can you share early and often with your team so that they are thinking about it as much as you are and channeling their work in an effective way when they are making all the micro decisions that impact the nuts and bolts of the platform or the software or the analytics you're serving. Thank you. I think we have covered a lot of ground as to how to build a successful analytics engineering team. And we started with uh, defining what this engineering team might entail, who are the specific functions that will join like data sciences and BI and, and the responsibilities sort of. And then we talked about the workflows that you employ and how you build around your processes so that you can successfully collaborate. You a lot of times mentioned that um, open collaborations is is very core to your business, which I think is, is uh, really awesome and uh, worth highlighting. And then we talked about how in the beginning of building the team, it's important for, for people to have really deep understanding of the climate and, and what the tool will do. But, but otherwise, not everybody needs to be a climate expert or, or an environmental expert, but uh, they do have to have some kind of a drive to, to want to stay in this business. And last, we talked about some tools and we talked about giving clarity and context to the engineers so that they know what they are doing. And quite frankly, they can be continuously committed to the business because they get the freedom, but they also get the goals in the right direction. Covered a lot of ground. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? I'm very thankful for the opportunity to share more with you all. LinkedIn is the best way to stay in touch with me. So feel free to connect with me there. And uh, I'll, you know, Carolina will be forwarding a few more resources as part of the show notes here. So thank you, Carolina, for having me. Thank you for joining us, dearest listeners and watchers. My guest today was Gopal Erinjipurat. I am Carolina Toth. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time. See you next time.